It's 12.07. This is Jeff Wagner. We do not go gently into the good weekend on the program. Melissa and Gru, who's producing the show. All right, this is how the, this is how our text line starts off today. Did Jeff Wagner marry Tracy Johnson? If not, he should have. Tracy Johnson, who's just in here. Melissa, you just got Oh, that, yes. That, that, I was yeah. like, what? Did Jeff Wagner marry <laughs> Tracy Johnson? If not, he should have. Hmm. Tra- well, Tracy's husband might object to that, and my wife would certainly object to I that. I was going to say, Jeff, you just got married. I did, yes. I, I, well, <laughs> Tracy, and the, the, Tracy and I have been dear friends for a number of years. We appeared together on TV mm-hmm. um, on an almost daily basis um, for years and years. And so, um, so did Jeff Wagner marry Tracy? No, no, we didn't. And or like I say, her husband and her children, they're probably glad about that, and I think my <laughs> wife is glad about it. We'll just be, we will just be friends. That's how that works. We start off today's show like we start off every show, three big things. But before that, a cheap shot on the front page of the Journal Sentinel. Now, there's an old movie called Absence of Malice. It stars Paul Newman and Sally Field. And the whole premise of the, the it, it's, a, it's an expose of, of the newspaper industry, and it talks about how the media does things and how they, they style stuff to get stories that are accurate but not necessarily true. It's a movie that I, I highly recommend, and they should show it in, to the extent anybody studies journalism, whatever that means nowadays, that they should show it. But there's a story on the front page of the paper written by by their, by their Dan Bice, and I, I I've known Dan for a number of years, and he's an equal opportunity kind of muckraker. But he, for the last couple of years, he's been obsessed with David Clark. And now that David Clark is gone, there's like, okay, what do I write about now? So there's a story in the paper today, front page. Final tab to provide round-the-clock home security for ex-Sheriff Clark comes to $450,000. And it's a story about how uh, David Clark had, because of death threats when he was the sheriff, he had... He had his home being watched um, by a security detail. All right, so so that's it. Now here's, I, I guess I have a couple takes on this. First of all, this number four hundred and fifty thousand dollars, that is not the salary of the police officers or the sheriff's deputies. That is the salary and benefits. Now, when do you ever see that number in a typical story? Mayor of Milwaukee, I don't know how much, I don't know how much Tom Barrett makes, 140, 150,000, whatever that number is. You don't see, when they put the mayor's salary in, you know, his compensation, you don't see, well, he makes 140 or 150,000 and uh, another $50,000 in benefits. He makes $200,000 under my scenario. You don't see it. That's not the way it's presented. It's always, this is what your salary is and the benefits always being, you know, being separate. In this particular case, because they are trying to generate the biggest number possible, we now add the benefits into the overall cost. Now, is that accurate? Yeah, but it's kind of a, I don't know, I think it's kind of a sneaky way to present stuff. It's accurate, but it's not the way this is normally presented. The bigger point about this is, and again, I... I, I've run hot and cold on David Clark. I, I think for the first several years he was in office, he was a breath of fresh air. He challenged the things that needed to be challenged. He was willing to stand up to the establishment, and, and I think he did a good job. I think the last few years he burned out. He was ready to do something different, and he was just kind of like putting in his time. So, I mean, I, I, I view Clark in, in two really two different time frames and things like that. But having said that, okay, the guy is a public official. And if he is getting death threats, and he was getting death threats, he I, I don't have a problem 
with him having protection. Why aren't we writing stories about the, the mayor's security detail, for example? And again, I, I and I don't have a problem with Tom Barrett being driven around town by police officers and having security with him all the time. He, he I think, is entitled to that because of the position he holds. There might be some wacko out there that wants to do something. He's entitled to have protection. I don't have an issue with that at all. And if Tom Barrett were to be getting death threats and felt that he needed around-the-clock security, I wouldn't have a problem with that. I don't understand why this is a story, except that you have the local newspaper that has had a vendetta against David Clark, and they are trying to present stuff again and tailor it in the least favorable light possible. Now, you could say, well, Clark brought some of this on himself because he was such a lightning rod. Okay, that, that that's fine. Again, public officials are entitled if because of the way they go about doing their jobs they attract unwanted attention and get threats they're entitled to have security and i guess i don't to to take this number to inflate it like they did now is it accurate yes but this is not the way you see things presented on a general basis but they did it to try to get the biggest number possible by rolling in the cost of benefits and then i would like to see what about the other elected officials who have had security with them what about governor walker what about uh, governor doyle before that you know what about other people who have had death threats and as a result have had people you know sit on and have to watch their house back in another life when i was the u.s attorney and the assistant u.s attorney i had death threats occasionally and there were occasions when u.s marshals working in conjunction with a local police department would watch my house now it wasn't around the clock for for 24 hours a day for months but it was during the duration when they thought that there might be some concern that's just what ends up happening so i thought I mean, I understand that David Clark is a lightning rod. I understand some people don't like him. I thought the story on the front page of the paper today was not inaccurate, but really probably not true, and more importantly, extremely unfair. Okay, let's start off. Big story number one, the Al Franken saga continues. Um, Yesterday morning, there was the breaking news story. Al Franken, who is set himself up as kind of one of these liberal icons who's lecturing people in in his role in the Judiciary Committee about what is appropriate and what isn't. Um, Everybody knows the story by now. 2006, while he's working for Air America, the the defunct liberal uh, radio network, he's on a tour in Afghanistan. He apparently very badly mistreats this woman um, and then, according to her story, just when she resisted his sexual er, his sexual advances, he decides that he's going to make her life miserable for the length of the tour. And then she falls asleep on the plane on the way back, and you see Al Franken either grabbing her breasts or mimicking grabbing her breasts and posing with this you know, blank-eating grin on his face as he's doing that. I mean, if you want to talk about a picture being worth a thousand words, I mean, that's really that picture. Okay, um, Al Franken says, I'm open to a Senate investigation. Um, uh, He's apparently sent a note apologizing for this. Will there be more women that come forward? I guess that remains to be seen. As we have seen with the whole Bill Clinton scandal, locally with the John Norquist scandal, when it is a liberal, typically people tend to look the other way. That is how it's been historically. The question is going to be, is this going to change at all? But that's where Al Franken sits. Now, into this, overnight, Wade's President Trump 
who has been largely silent on the whole Roy Moore situation. He has not called for Roy Moore to step down. President Trump has essentially said it's up to the voters in Alabama to decide you know, whether he should do this or not. Um, my point yesterday with Al Franken is I think this is a matter that since it didn't happen while he was in the Senate, it's probably ultimately a matter for the voters of Minnesota to decide. But President Trump wades into this last night. He sends out uh, a tweet. First of all, he writes, the Al Frankenstein picture is really bad, speaks a thousand words. Where do his hands go in pictures two, three, four, five, and six while she sleeps? Then he goes on to say, and just to think that last week he was lecturing anyone who would listen about sexual harassment and respect for women. Leslie Stahl tape. All right, so that's President Trump wading into this. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. All right, I, I think what's going to happen with Al Franken is what's going to happen. I, I don't think he's – some people are predicting he's going to resign. I don't think he has any intention of resigning unless there's all sorts of other women that come forward. Um, I, I think he's going to try to ride this out. There's probably a lot of Democrats in the Senate that would hope he's going to resign because the truth of the matter is now anytime any one of them wants to talk about sexual harassment issues or talk about President Trump in that capacity or Roy Moore, that picture of Al Franken mugging to the camera as he pretends or does grab that woman's breast is going to be out there. So I think a lot of Democrats would like to have him go away because that's always going to be the issue. But into this whole thing wades President Trump. Now, one of the things that struck me about this was, again, the old adage that people who live in glass houses should not throw stones. Um, During the campaign, one of the scandals, and I'm going to say this in quotation marks, that, that almost derailed the Trump campaign was the whole Access Hollywood, Billy Bush scandal, you know, where he's apparently President Trump is on that bus and he either doesn't realize he's miked or doesn't care that he's miked and he's talking about women and things like that and what he'd like to do and all. Now, Trump was able, President Trump was able to survive that. But that's always been out there in the whole realm of sex, sexual harassment, which has always been one of the reasons why I thought that President Trump has not really been vocal one way or the other in the whole Roy Moore issue. But now he's wading in with Al Franken. All right, 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Big story number one. Should the president have simply let this go? Should the president have simply let this go, resisted the urge to send out tweets? And there's no love lost between Al Franken and Donald Trump. There's just none. But under the circumstances... Would the president have been wise to just let this particular issue drop? 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I will tell you where I come down on this in just a minute, but I'm curious as to your opinion. And this isn't defending Al Franken in any way, shape, or form. I think he's a pig. But was President Trump right to go after him? 414-799-1620. We discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 1219. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's 1221, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. President Trump, during the campaign, was able to survive the Access Hollywood scandal, you know, the the Billy Bush tape. My guess is, unless something else comes out, 
Al Franken will probably survive his own sexual harassment scandal. That, that's that's my gut feeling on this. But last night, President Trump, who's been remarkably quiet about the whole Roy Moore thing, um, decided to wade in. If you haven't heard it, he sent out two tweets. One, the Al Frankenstein picture is really bad, speaks a thousand words. Where do his hands go in pictures two, three, four, five, and six while she sleeps? And then he says, and just to think last week, he was lecturing anyone who would listen about sexual harassment and respect for women, Leslie Stahl tape. And, and President Trump's, I think he makes fair points in these these two tweets. The question becomes, though, should he have been wading into this given the own his own baggage of, of Access Hollywood? 4147, and my answer is no. <laughs> I guess my, my answer is this is another one of these examples where just – Stay above the fray. Stay above the fray and let other people draw those conclusions. Mike and Madison. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. So, hi, Jeff. Hi, Mike. This, is, this, is the, this scandal was the number one reason I stopped being caring about Trump in the first place. I didn't even care about the guy after that point. And now he's out here tweeting. It's the biggest hypocrisy uh, uh, consistent with his behavior. I'm not surprised, but it's just the biggest hypocrisy. It, it, it does. It does have that pot calling the kettle black element to it doesn't it yeah i mean and you know we you know i was a never trumper you know charlie's campaign there and i think that uh, this was the main reason i mean this guy has gross disrespect for women and now he's out here you know making points about al franken it's just Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it, th- thanks. I mean, again, that, that that's what struck me about this. And I'm going to get emails from people saying, why are you picking on the president? Well, OK, I, I, I again, I, I try to call him like I, I see him. And this is not in any way, shape or form intended to be a defense of Al Franken, who, like I say, I, I think I think is a hypocrite. And I think he's a pig, too. But at the same time, that's I mean, that that Access Hollywood tape is pretty darn damning. President Trump was able to survive it. I get he was able to survive it, but it's still always going to be out there. And it is one of the things that I think has colored a lot of people's views of of him, the various comments that he was making. And, and you can describe it as locker room talk or whatever, and that, 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 that that's fine. But under these circumstances, he should probably, I would argue, be the last one to judge, even though... Um, again, I understand his comments are probably accurate. It's just he's not necessarily the right messenger, is he? Alex in Port Washington. Alex, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Yeah, thank you for taking my call. Yes, I was someone who voted for uh, for President Trump. And when I hear these things, I always wish that he'd hire a person and sole responsibility would be sitting there uh, as a gatekeeper when it comes to his Twittering. Right. Because it's, it's so silly for someone in his position to have mentioned anything about this, anyone with any common sense would tell him there's going to be some splashback on you. And you would think he'd want to distance himself as much as possible. But Yeah, you, just that, that, right, that some, per, you know, um, every, you know, back back in the time of Henry VIII, you know, kings used to have the court jester, you know, who would always, like, speak truth. The, the, the jesters were the ones that were able to, the the court, the king's fool was the one able to speak truth to the king. You know, everybody else would tell him what he wanted to hear, but that was the deal. You think that maybe they should just be that gatekeeper, someone who says, Mr. President, okay, it's all right, time to, I gotta see, the tweet came out at, um, oh, it came out late last night, so, Mr. President, are you sure you really want to send this particular tweet? Don't you remember, you know, a year and a half ago when you were embroiled in your own scandal? Yeah, <laughs> so just somebody that asks that question, are you sure this is really such a good idea? Because you would think he's gotten the job, it's really time to start acting presidential, you know, to set himself up for the next go-round. Well, right, 
Yeah, or, or right, or exactly, or or at least not open yourself to because that's, that that's what happens. I mean, he, he has managed in some corners to make himself the second day story about this because all right, Al Franken's hanging out there. I mean, I mean, trust me, you've got you've got Democrats who. We're looking to use the sexual harassment thing and Roy Moore as a basis to run against Republicans in 2018. All right, that that's and if you don't understand that, I'm just telling you that that's the truth. This you you had campaign ads that were already being drawn up. In some respects, there are Democrats all across this country who want Roy Moore to win. They want him to win because then they're going to hang this. Here you've got this guy who's accused of sexual assault, and here you've got this guy who, when he was 30s, was sniffing around like teenage girls. And, and this, they want Roy Moore to be the face of the Republican Party. So there's a lot of Democrats that are now very, very unhappy with the idea that that issue now it has become a bipartisan issue because every time you try to raise that issue. The response is going to be that picture of Al Franken with his hands hovering over the sleeping bre- breasts of that the that sleeping woman's breasts with that you know what eating grin and leer on his face. That's that's going to be the response. So this issue has now I think largely been neutralized, which is why I think now with President Trump wading in, the second day story is exactly what I'm just talking about. President Trump ends up becoming the story with people who are saying, okay, is he really the guy that should be this messenger? That's big story number one. Big story number two, how far does the First Amendment go? I want to tell you the story and get your reaction. Stick around. It's 1227. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's 1235. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Will the Packers maintain a playoff pulse with Brett Hundley at the reins? Voice of the Packers, Wayne Larrabee, joins Gene Miller to reflect on all things Packers-Ravens. That is at 751 Monday on Wisconsin's Morning News. I'm going to the game on Sunday. I'm hoping for a Packers win and moderate temperatures. My wife has never been to Lambeau Field, so this is going to be her first Packers game. Very much looking forward to it. All right, big story number two. PG-13 related warning. There is a woman in Texas, um, Fort Bend County, don't ask me where that is, Fort Bend County, Texas, who has been driving around town. She has a pickup truck, doesn't everybody? That's not unusual. And in the back of the pickup truck, and I'm going to describe it, this is not a bumper sticker. This is a giant a giant sticker that takes up about half of her rear 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 windshield, the, the rear mirror. Um, so you've got the the bed of the pickup truck. Then you know you've got that glass mirror that people look out of, and she's got right in the middle of this, and it takes up about again, like I say, about probably about half of the 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 rear window. And what it says, well, I can't say on the radio what it says, but. And I, I was going to do this as a text out, but I thought, nah, we're not going to. I just, I, no. Um, here, here's what it says. It's the F word. Big capital letters. It is the F word spelled out in its entirety. It says blank Trump and then blank you, although it doesn't say blank you. Uh, blank Trump and blank you for voting for him. So it's this huge thing, and she drives around town with this displayed prominently so everybody can see it. Now, the sheriff has been getting a number of complaints from people, and, and it's not just, gee, we, we love President Trump. 
how dare she say this? Many of the complaints are, I'm driving through town, I've got my six-year-old kid or my seven-year-old kid in the front seat, and we're behind this pickup truck that is proudly and prominently displaying the, the F word in multiple occasions. And and it's it's not necessarily the content uh, of the, the message, but it's rather the way the woman is expressing it. Because these people are saying, you know what, this is just offensive. This, this is public, it's, you know, public thoroughfares. She's driving around, and we're sitting there with our kids, and we're having to explain, gee, what exactly does this mean when the kid looks up and says, hey, Mom, or hey, Dad, you know, what does blank end up meaning? Now, there is a statute. Texas has a penal code that describes disorderly conduct as intentionally or knowingly using abusive, indecent, profane, or vulgar language in a public place. And the language, by its very utterance, tends to incite an immediate breach of the peace. Making an offensive gesture or display in a public place is also prohibited if the gesture or display tends to incite an immediate breach of of the peace. Um, so that's what this the statute says. People are complaining. Now, there is a Supreme Court case that goes back to the early 70s at the height of the Vietnam War where you had an anti-war protester who was walking around with a jacket and that word was prominently displayed on the, the jacket, and it was a message directed to some political leader. And the court said, no, no, even though that's an offensive word, you can't stop it because it's protected free speech. It's on a jacket. This is different in a way. This is on the car. And, of course, we have – or it might be different because it's on the car. All right. 414-799-1620. That is the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. This – Putting aside the, the the content as it is directed at a political statement, okay, she clearly doesn't like the president, and she is expressing that. Here's the aspect of this that I would like to discuss with you. Should it be inappropriate for her to be able to do this in the way that she is doing it? In other words, again, you know, she's communicating her political message, which she is certainly entitled to do, but she's doing it in such a fashion that it is exposing it to, again, you're on the public roadways, you're driving around with your six- or seven-year-old kid or your grandkids or whatever, they're in the front seat of the car, and you're behind this woman's pickup truck, and the kids are saying, gee, Grandma, gee, Grandpa, gee, Dad, gee, Mom, what what exactly does that mean? Is that the equivalent of crying fire in a crowded theater, or should this be protected? And where do you draw the line? 414-799-1620. 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. This is one of those topics where I, I have an opinion on this, and I'll tell you where I come down on it in a minute. But I, I, I'm curious as to what you think. Does this woman have the right to do this on the public roadways, driving around in the car, knowing that yes, she is communicating her message, but she might also be then exposing you know, anybody else to this obscenity. It's not like she's saying impeach Trump. It's not like she's saying I hate Trump and I hate everybody who voted for him. She's saying blank Trump and blank all of you who voted for him. Does this go too far or should it be protected? 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We discuss next. If you're on the line, hold on, please. It's 1241. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 1246, this is Jeff Wagner. There's this woman in Texas who's driving around, and across the back 
the back window of her pickup truck. She's got this this large. It's it's a, I guess it's a sticker. It's one of those things. Presumably, you can see through it. Um, but it says blank Trump and blank all of you who voted for him. Um, it's not blank though. It's it's the F word, and it's prominently displayed. And a number of people are complaining. They're saying, "Hey, look, this is this is inappropriate. Forget the politics of this. Um, you know, here you have this woman who's driving around. We're in the car with kids." You know, and, and she's got this in the back of her vehicle. She should not be allowed to do that. Who's right? Who's wrong? 414-799-1620. Let's start with uh, Sam in Plymouth. Sam, good afternoon. You're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Sam. Um, well, from what I think, I think um, that she should be allowed to do this. Okay. Now, I disagree with her as much as anybody else, but if we start taking away people's First Amendment rights, then mm-hmm. this whole experiment that we have just isn't isn't going to last. Is there a balancing between her First Amendment rights to drive around and to express her her political view? Um, what do, do the people who are in the cars with their seven year old kids or grandkids who are behind her and then have to be exposed to what I think everybody would argue is a, a, an obscenity? Um, th- do those people have any rights? How do you balance that out? I think they also have rights, but I don't think that you can put somebody else's rights above another person. Well, so I mean, I think everyone's rights should be the, the same. Okay, I think I guess see that, that that's to me what the issue is then. But it's it's like okay, if I mean, do you have? Do you have a right in, on a public roadway, for example? And, and cars are regulated. Do you have Do you have a right to not be exposed to uh, obscenities or, or things like that? I mean, is there any sort of right, or is it just well that that's that's tough beans? You can't say that word on the radio. You can't say it on TV um, because again, we, we view that as being an obscenity. We view that as something that's inappropriate. But it's okay to. I don't, be, and, and we want, part of the reason we do that is because maybe there's children that are going to be listening or things like that, and we don't want them to be exposed to these uh, offensive, obscene words. But if you're on the roadways, is it different? I just raised this question. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Joe on the north side. Joe, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Yes, of course. Of course he doesn't have the right to do this. Forty years ago, my brother-in-law got personalized license plates with the name retard on it okay and of course complaints once that word got changed around complaints came in he was notified he had 30 days to stop at the dmv right or his car was going to be you know unregistered on the road right Same, same goes here complaints coming in dmv sends her a letter saying you must remove this from your vehicle or your plates are going to be, you know. Okay, well, all right, except is there a difference? Okay, see, in in the case you're talking about, the license plates are are issued by the state, you know, and, and so they say, all right, we control what your personalized license plate message can be. So, you know, we're not approving this because you're, you're right. I mean, Wisconsin has that policy, and they, they've always had it. You know, if, it, if we think it's going to be an obscenity or something derogatory, we're not going to let you do that. Now, this isn't the license plate, though. This is she's putting the sticker up. It has nothing to do. It's not sanctioned by the state. It's not a license plate. It's a sticker that she's putting up in her back windshield. Does that yeah. make any difference? Yeah, not really. There's. 
all hundreds of regulations of what you can have on your car. Right. You have to have rear view mirrors. Right. You get all that. Right. They can control anything they want as long as that vehicle is on the road. Yeah, now thanks to see. Now that is an interesting point, and that's why if she wanted to post, let, let's say she wanted to put a sign up in her front yard that says this. Um, I think she would have, I don't think there's anything anybody could do about it because, okay, it's her front yard and the argument would be, okay, that's her property. She should be able to do this. Now, what makes this trickier in my mind is because, again, this is, it's a vehicle. We regulate all sorts of things with regard to vehicles. And Joe, you're right, make a very good point. We regulate, you know, what we can, what was put on license plates. But of course, the license plates are issued by the state. Should that make a difference? 414-799-1620. Steve in Mequon. Steve, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, thanks for taking my call, Jeff. What do you think? Do you remember? George Carlin and the was it the seven things you can't say on TV or in or in Milwaukee? But believe it or not, Steve, pe- people claim to have been at the Ice Bowl. I was not at the Ice Bowl. I was at that George Carlin show at Summerfest <laughs> where he got arrested. Honest to God, <laughs> true he, story. He, he, I was he, there. <laughs> yeah, he was arrested. So right. my point is that if you if the words whether they're spoken or you you printed them, it's it's your words. So I think that you could argue that the same standard would apply. That if you're driving around with the f bombs on your vehicle. You might as well be taking a megaphone and shouting it out in public. And so Mm -hmm. that standard, I think, at least in Milwaukee, would then apply to you. It's disorderly conduct. Yeah, except that at the same time, Steve, I mean, Carlin beat the rap. I mean, they they, they tossed, they said that that was a a free speech question. Now, again, the, the difference there with the Carlin thing is Carlin, yes, he was saying the words in public, but he was in, I mean, he was a performer. You know, people were there. You could walk away from that if you didn't want to hear it. That's different in some respects than this because people are saying, hey, we can't get away from this. You know, if we're we're driving around, we're using the public thoroughfare, we get stopped at the red light, we're behind this car, um, what what can we end up doing? 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Justin in Mequon. Justin, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Thanks for taking my call, Yes, Jeff. sir. Maybe you remember a few years ago having to do with – uh, what you can and cannot do in your car. There was a fellow who was arrested because other people driving by him could see pornography that he was playing on his screen in his car. I don't remember. <laughs> I, I don't remember that story, but okay, I, I, I'm, I'm picturing this stuff now. I can easily see yeah. that happening. Sure. Okay. okay. And so he, he was playing something on his screen. Other people could see it through his car windows. Okay. He gets arrested. So, therefore, there seems to be lots of restrictions on what you can and cannot do in your car. Who, do, right? You know, what makes one different than another? Well, it would be the fact if this is if this is political speech as opposed to you know watching pornography. Would would that be because the woman would say, "Hey, look, I I'm a citizen. I have a right to express my opinions. Yes, my opinions are pointed, and yes, they are strong. But but here's here's what I think." Um, uh, is it different because it's a political opinion? Um, well, you know, the answer to that question is yeah, probably. On the other hand, it's a slippery slope. Yeah. Where's the Where's the line where you can say, "Gee, uh, go jump in a lake," right? And, yeah, or maybe you go further and say something else. Where Where's right. the the line. There isn't, there isn't a clear line. No, it, it isn't. And that, that's what I actually, that's kind of what makes this an interesting thing. We have full phone lines on this story. I, here, here's where I come down on this. And I'm not, I'm not happy with my opinion on this. But 
as much as it pains me to say it, I, I think she probably has a right to do it. As I look at that disorderly conduct statute, um, the, the statute, it's not just, and this is how disorderly conduct works, it's not just that it's offensive speech, but it's it's offensive speech, because this clearly is, but that, you know, that is likely to incite an immediate breach of the peace. Um, so it's not like she's standing on a street corner, for example, running up to people and screaming this word in their face. You know, she's driving around. I think this is inappropriate. I think it's offensive. I think she's um, should be condemned for doing it. But it doesn't strike me as being disorderly conduct, I guess, because while it's offensive, while I wouldn't want to be behind it, while this, I think this is a classless sort of thing, um, I, at the same time, I, I'm just, I, I'm, I'm worried about where you do draw the line um, with, again, speech that you're trying to express your political opinion. And as much as it pains me to say, I think she should be able to do this, um, this is one of those situations where, as I often describe, just because you have the right right to do something doesn't mean it's the right thing to do. But um, I think my understanding is they've decided that they're not going to issue charges because, again, while they find it offensive, they don't necessarily think it's likely to, uh, again, meet that second element that it's going to incite an immediate breach of the peace. But this woman would not be a very good neighbor. And candidly, I wouldn't want to be driving around with my you know, grandchildren or my nephew and, and behind a car like this. Just saying. 1256, this is Jeff Wagner. Big story number three is coming up, and it's local. Stick around. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Her text line is exploded. Although completely unclassy, she's justified. This is no different than the Jesus Saves or the End is Near cars we see driving around Milwaukee. Might be offensive to some, including myself, but tastes differ. Um, Mitch says, last time I checked, you can still display the Confederate flag on a vehicle in public. That offends people as well. You can't outlaw offensiveness. Steve in West Bend says, can you imagine what the situation would have been if people did that when President Obama was in office? Um, yes, there, there might be a different level of outrage about that. But at the same time, we all live, and you're talking to somebody who makes his living under the umbrella of the First Amendment. And again, I just go back to what I just said a couple minutes ago. Just because you have a right to do something doesn't mean it's the right thing to do. And that's how I kind of lump this in. Okay, coming up next, big story number three. It is local. Is the Bucks Arena going to lead to a renaissance downtown? And after that, is it time to end Apu? Stick around. It's 1259. <laughs> It's 110, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Hey, a good pop culture corner coming up at 235 this afternoon, but lots of stuff before that. Big story number three. All right, the Milwaukee Bucks, the new downtown arena, which is really coming together just north of the Bradley Center. I was downtown the other day just driving around, and it is, it's amazing how much progress they've made on it. Now, I understand, Gru, who's producing the show today, I understand that what I'm about to say is heresy because it's kind of, remember the story of the emperor's new clothes and, and you know, the, the emperor is walking around naked 
and everybody is standing there, and he's, he's naked, but everybody's like saying, oh, what a wonderful suit of clothes. You look absolutely tremendous until there's this little kid that comes up and says, what do you mean he's naked? You know, it, it's that, That's the whole premise. So I, I understand that as we're, we're building the, the new arena, everybody's talking about what an architectural marvel it is and how great it looks. I think it's but ugly. Now, that, that's I, I just I think from the outside, it's matter of fact, a friend of mine. We were we went to uh, we went to a bar on Third Old World Third Street about a week ago. We both drove by and said, "My God, that's an ugly building." Now, now maybe maybe I just don't get it. And and inside, it sounds like it's going to be really nice. So, I mean, I'm not I'm not poo pooing it. I'm just saying I I'm the guy that thinks that that big ugly orange thing at the end of wisconsin avenue that the that sunburst i i think that that's that's but ugly too so i mean i i, I appreciate that you know beauty is in the eye of the beholder i'm just saying for me the 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 exterior of the bucks arena at least as it looks right now does absolutely nothing for me no, but that's okay it doesn't matter it doesn't matter i'm told it's going to be extremely nice inside they say it's about 70 percent completed but that's not the aspect of what i want to talk about with you whether or not you know people will be able to decide for themselves whether it it looks like a giant keg and whether that's something that we want or not but all right but here's the deal the bucks have this press conference you know yesterday and to me the to me the key to whether the down the commitment of taxpayer dollars which was something that i was in favor of the measure of whether or not the bucks arena is ultimately going to be a success or not is whether or not the surrounding development, you know, takes off. Because I, I think objectively, if you look at most of the studies of new arenas, they don't pay for themselves. You know, the sports teams always say, well, you put this down there and it's it's going to generate all this in new traffic and things like that. And it never does. That's just the reality. What might make this different, though, is the fact that you have th- this entire entertainment district, which is... Being developed in connection with the um, with the new Bucks Arena, and then there's another discussion about what do you do with the site of the Bradley Center. Some people want to turn it into a dog park. Give me strength. I love dogs, but come on, give me strength. But anyhow, so yesterday at the Milwaukee Press Club, the Bucks president and others are there, you know, talking about how you know this this complex this is going to really you know um, change things about downtown. Um, and, the, you know, the Bucks president says, we want to attract residents down here and we want to spur retail spending in a big way. We should be getting an additional million or a million and a half people to visit downtown. And again, they're talking this entertainment block. And the argument they're making is they say, hey, if we build this entertainment block with bars and restaurants and things in the shadow of the new arena, their argument is, this is going to serve, first of all, it's going to bring more people downtown. They're going to stay and spend more money. And it is going to complement the existing bars like around 3rd Street, for example. It's not. The argument is it's not going to be moving people who already go to what, whatever, the Uber Tap or, you know, Buck Bradley's or any of those places that they're going to say, okay, or, or Mater's or whatever. Mater's might be a little bit of a different example. But we're... The, the people that go to these bars and restaurants right now on 3rd Street, they're still going to go to those bars and restaurants. It's going to be additional people that are going to come down and go to this new entertainment district. And that's the key. They say they think they will be able to bring more people down. I know a lot of the people in that new PAPS development, 
you know, just to the west and a little bit, I guess, to the south uh, of where the arena is. Uh, there's, been, there's been some development there, and I know a lot of those bar owners and stuff are counting or hoping that there's going to be an influx of people, and it's going to be new people, and they're going to start patronizing these places. All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. To me, that's the key factor. The, the way we're going to judge success and whether this investment was ultimately worth it isn't just are people going to come down and are the Bucks going to start winning and are people going to come down and, and go to the Bucks games? The question is going to be, are people going to come down that aren't otherwise coming down? Are they going to patronize the new entertainment district? And are they going to do that in such a way that it doesn't come at the expense of the existing bars? So let's tee this up. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I think short term, and I'm talking about the first year or two, there's definitely going to be an influx of new people who are going to want to come down and want to see what it is all about. Big picture, though, i got to admit I'm a little bit skeptical as to whether or not long term something like this is sustainable. And I don't want to be the guy that's throwing a wet blanket on this, but candidly, I think it is more likely, first of all, I mean, I think a lot of people right now, you come down, you go to the games, you go into the games, the new arena is supposed to be incredible, you know, you spend your money there, then you go and you, you know, get in your car and you, you drive home. Maybe some of that will change temporarily when you put in the new entertainment district. I'm not sure, though, that I agree with this premise that, all right, you'd build this project and all of a sudden you're going to bring a million to a million and a half more people down to that area. Certainly not necessarily on a long-term basis. But what do you think? 414-799-1620. We discuss next. It's 117. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 120, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Quick traffic update with Eric Bilson. Yes, 4145 northbound, Jeff, is a mess right now. They have construction. They're working on the bridge at Capitol Drive, so the two left lanes are shut down, and because of that, significant delays right now from the zoo to Good Hope is going to take you a half hour. You're also seeing the delays on 894 northbound as well, so you're, you're on the brakes heading northbound. They should have this cleared up by 2 o'clock, but in the meantime, you're on the brakes heading north. Now, you're not going to be buzz, uh, Buzzkill built that today. Too. I, mean, well, I think last, I already have been. Last Friday, I mean, every, it seems like every 15 minutes you were coming in with like some disaster after <laughs> that one. It was one after another. I mean, but was, once this opens up, then okay. I'll be. Good. You'll, you'll welcome me with open arms. I, well, I, I'll, I'll come you're, in and tell you, you how wonderful you I'm are. You are always welcome. I mean, that, that's the thing. It, it's not that. It was just like it seems like every time you pop in, it, it's I some. Know. It's something. Yeah. All right, roads are. Yeah. All right, there's a truck with cow guts that yeah, is overturned, yeah. and the freeway is going to be closed for the next three days or stuff like that. Okay, we'll yeah, continue yeah. to keep you up. I understand. You just report the news. You don't make it. I get that. And that's... New Berlin Eisenhower lost too. There you go. There's more. <laughs> All right. Um, big story number. three. Three is uh, the, the, this whole the, the big press at a press meeting in front of at a conversation before the press club yesterday. Uh, the Bucks say, "Hey, we're we're getting close to completing the arena. I think that's great." They're also continuing to maintain this story that they believe that once that entertainment district goes in, they're going to be getting an additional million to a million and a half to visit downtown, and that's a key because the, the whole idea is. If you if you don't increase the number of people who are going downtown, what you, all you're doing is you're 
you're just moving stuff around. I mean, if if you, I mean, right now there are people who just go down to the games. They, they go in, they buy their ticket, they go in the Bradley Center, they have a beer or two, they watch the game, whether it's Marquette or the Bucks or whatever. They get in their cars and they go home. Right? Um, there are some people, and I'm I'm one of them, who a lot of times, if there's time before the game, will you know, will go out to one of the area bars around Third Street. You know, have a beer, maybe have a sandwich or something, go to the game, and then go home. If if all we're doing is moving the same number of people around, you're really not going to gain anything. As a matter of fact, you're probably going to be cannibalizing the businesses with this new entertainment district because it'll just be people. So instead of going to Third Street, you go to you know the new entertainment block. I think short term, short term, there there is going to be an influx of people. I, I don't think there's any question. There's going to be a lot of people who are going to come down because they want to see. You know what what this is. They're going to want to see the new arena, but even if they don't go to the new arena, they're going to see. Okay, what is this new entertainment district? To me, the more difficult question is going to be: Where does this go two or three years from now? And are they really going to, on a regular basis, be able to bring a million and a million and a half people in, or is it going to be the same people? And of course, the other issue is. If it's just people who are going to the ball games, how many of those people just go to the games? And there's going to be all sorts of food and beverage opportunities there. How many people are just going to go to the games and say, hey, we're going to have our beers inside here? Bill and Oconomowoc text, if the Bucks do not put a winning team on the floor every year, people will stop coming after a couple years. That is, of course, um, the challenge to it. Um, Justin says, based on the success of similar entertainment districts I've seen around the country, I think this is an excellent project for Milwaukee. It will draw plenty from even the Chicago, Madison, and Fox Valley areas, plus especially in the summer, attract people already here for Summerfest and other festivals to give them some other reason to come. The growing young are ever inclined to seek out urban people-centric places like ours will be. Um, I hope, I I hope, because again, that's what the key is going to be. It's going to be bringing new people in as opposed to, hey, we've come up for Summerfest. All right, we're leaving. We're going to go to Water Street and, and have a few beers. Now it's going to be, all right, we're going to come up. And there's a lot of new people who are coming up just because they want to see the entertainment district. Because, again, if all you do is move people who come up from Chicago, go to Summerfest and go to Water Street, if all you do is you move them from Water Street over to the entertainment district, you don't have a net gain. Ron texts, the new arena will be the best major concert venue. And with the entertainment area, it will be a long-term attraction. Milwaukee might be a fun city again. I hope. He's right. It's 125. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's 135. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. I will never forget this. I was 16 years old. I was a probably a junior at Nicolay High School. And I, I had been somewhere. Don't even remember where. And I had purchased a T-shirt, which was, oh, by all measures, it was clever, but it was inappropriate. It was, I remember the T-shirt. The T-shirt, actually, it had cartoon drawings of, of farm animals having intercourse. That's what it was, all right? And, and they had funny expressions on their face. I, I, I taught me it's clever. I bought it. 16 years old, don't know why I bought it. But I do remember this. One day it occurred to me that this would be a good idea to wear it to school. So I'm, I put it on in the morning, and I'm starting to head out. And then my mother, 
Anne, who everybody who knows my my late mom, uh, just just adored her. She was what whatever whatever good characteristics, whatever there is about me that's good. I, I it it's it goes back to my to my mom. My brother and I will, will both say that my mom. Every little boy thinks their mom is a saint. My mom was was just an absolute saint. Um, so I'm trying to get out of the house. I'm wearing this T-shirt that's got um, images of cartoon animals having sex on it, and my mother and sees this. And she had not seen the T-shirt before. And needless to say, um, she takes one look at this T-shirt and then kind of looks at it again and then just gives me that look. And she says, you're not going out of that house with this T-shirt on. Change it. Now, I'm 16 years old, and I know everything. So I started to say, well, Mom, but, and she said uh, again, and this was a tone of voice that I didn't hear often from my mother, but the tone of voice was Jeffrey. And whenever she would call me Jeffrey, I knew I was in trouble. Jeffrey. <laughs> I told you, you are not going out of this house with that T-shirt on. Take it off, go back, put on something appropriate. And that was the point where with my mother, you know, you, you just there was that tone of voice and the Jeffrey where you knew, all right, what, what, wherever I was going to wear that T-shirt, it wasn't going to be to school. But my mother exercised judgment and, the, you know, I didn't have the judgment to self-censor. My mother helped me out on that. All right, here's, here's this story. It's a seven-year-old kid who goes to school in in the Atlanta area at seventh grader. Um, CNN is based in in Atlanta. That that's where they're headquartered. Like that's where the Ted Turner thing is. So here's the deal: his middle school is scheduled to take a field trip to CNN, right? And, and they've announced the field trip. So his mom and dad go out and they buy him. Now he's going to he's going to with his with his classmates to CNN. Okay, his mom and dad, at his request, go out and they buy him a T-shirt. And the T-shirt is this one that you perhaps have seen before. It's got the CNN logo, but it's it's not CNN. It's FNN fake news network, right? So it's, it's again, like what President Trump calls CNN. So the kid puts on this fake news network T-shirt to go on to this field trip to, to, to the actual CNN. Um, the mother, the dad, actually says, this year when the CNN tour was announced, my seventh grade son Jackson asked me if he could purchase a fake news network shirt to wear for the field trip. As an advocate for the First Amendment, this is dad writing, I agree to the request. His mother cautioned him that he might cause a controversy and needed to be prepared for that. He was fully aware of the implications of decision and made the affirmative choice to wear his shirt. So he shows up for the field trip wearing the shirt. Um, As he gets there, a teacher says to him, no, this is inappropriate for this field trip. I want you to remove it before the tour. Um, and, And they make him... I guess they make him take off the, the T-shirt. Um, and now there's this whole controversy about, you know, um, were was the school wrong in telling the, the kid that, you know, this is attire that was inappropriate for where it was that they were going? They weren't, they weren't telling him you couldn't wear the shirt to school, but they were saying, hey, look, we're, we're going to be guests. We are going to visit CNN. 
and wearing a shirt like this is inappropriate given that we are guests. Okay, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I am willing to bet that maybe you're going to disagree with me on, on this one, but you know what? I think the school, and this has nothing to do with you know CNN or fake news or whatever, but I think the school was right in telling this child under the circumstances this T-shirt was inappropriate for where they were going. The school was essentially a guest of CNN in this particular case. So they were going on the field trip. They were going on the tour. And I think it was rude and inappropriate to wear this shirt there. If they had told him you can't wear the shirt to school, I would have a different position. But this to me is like... I don't know. Let's say, I'm trying to think of an example. I'll I'll use an extreme example that would never happen. But let's say say you have a public school that's going to tour a a Catholic church. Um, They're they're studying architecture. So they're going not to study, you know, not to study Catholicism, but they're going to study this Catholic church because it's it's a big piece of architecture or whatever. And some kid shows up wearing a a T-shirt that has something derogatory on it about the Catholic church. You know, um, I would say that that would be inappropriate. You are going as their guest. 414-799-1620. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Lord knows I have no love for CNN, and I understand the whole fake news type of thing, and I think it's a clever T-shirt, and if the kid wants to wear it in general, I think that's fine. But I think the school has every right to say, you know, this it is inappropriate for where we are going. It is rude and insulting. We are invited guests there, and this is inappropriate for this field trip. That's how I feel about it. How do you feel? 414-799-1620. Are we unfairly infringing on his First Amendment rights, or was this inappropriate for the particular spot they were visiting? We discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. If you want to join us, 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Just like my mother told me, that shirt you were wearing, son, is inappropriate for school. I think this particular T-shirt was inappropriate for where they were going. It's 142. We discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 146, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. You are on the top of your game this afternoon. All sorts of challenging phone calls and texts. Here's a good one. So you think it's someone's right to drive around with an F Trump on the back of a pickup truck. Like I said, I said I thought it was inappropriate, but I thought you had the right to do it. Okay. Yet a school district is correct in telling a kid he can't wear an anti-CNN t-shirt. Why the double standard, Jeff? Well, I don't think it's a double standard at all. On the one hand, you know, you have people who do have First Amendment rights. They're on their own time. They're driving around. Okay, that's not what this kid is. This kid is in school. We've already schools can have dress codes. Schools can have all sorts of rules and regulations. You don't have an absolute First Amendment right in the context of a school. And here, you know, you're going on a field trip to CNN as part of the school class. Yeah, I think the school has a right to say, hey, we are invited guests here and we're not going to have one of our students come and wear a T-shirt that is designed to, you know, embarrass 
who our guest is. I guess that's to me where I at least see the distinction. All right, here's another one. Jeff, I disagree with you. My question is, what would be the difference between someone wearing a Bears jersey to a tour of Lambeau Field or even if he wore a Fox News shirt? Okay, well, here, here again is, is the difference. Um, okay, the Lambeau Field tours are open to the general public. You, you know, you... You have a right to do that if you choose, understanding that you might be be mocked if you do it. But they're open to the general public. This isn't a kid who's just going on the CNN tour showing up. This is a kid who's part of the school field trip, and that's where it's the difference. He's the representative of, I, I think, the school. And it, it is interesting to me because if you switch this around and you took the the CNN part out of it and you had a kid who, let's say, was going on a school tour of the White House and wanted to show up with an anti-Trump shirt, let's say, you know, would the school be within a rights of saying, no, that's inappropriate, and I think the school would. I think I'm actually trying to be consistent um, here. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Steve in Wauwatosa. Steve, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Great show today. Thank you, sir. See, I was uh, relating, and and I apologize, I forgot your screener's first name. His name is Gru, G-R-U, Gru. Gru. Gru, yeah. Great job. I, uh, I was telling him I had a T-shirt very similar to yours when I was uh, back in my youth and uh, had uh, exercised indiscretion. I remember my mother looking over her glasses as I was walking out the door, and both of us knew exactly what she was looking at. <laughs> yep. And, and by, by the end of the week, um, I was looking for that T-shirt, and uh, I pulled it out of the you know, pulled it up on a sofa. I pulled it out of the stack, and the thing's just. It's all bleached to pieces. I mean, it's just practically <laughs> holes in it. <laughs> right. And she's looking at me, and I'm looking at her. And, and I said, well, you know, what happened? And she looked at me, and she said, no, it went through the wash, <laughs> but it still looked filthy. So I used some bleach. <laughs> it's, it's still not clean, but, uh, you know, maybe next time. Yeah. Not another word was ever said. And I think I paid, like, 19 bucks for that T-shirt back right, in 75. Right. And, and not another word was said, nor was another vulgar T-shirt purchased <laughs> within <laughs> eyesight of my mother. So kudos to your mom. I think you're absolutely right as far as the T-shirt and the kid goes. You're a guest at someone's home. Yeah. Um, when you're a guest at someone else's home, you respect their home, their place, their turf, and then you expect the same at your own. Yeah. So uh, no, exactly. parents no. should have told them, no, that's just not appropriate today. Right. Yeah, thanks. And that's, again, for, for people, and I, I want people to, I want you to get past the, the, the we hate CNN type of thing. I get that. I, I understand that. But, I mean, you again, let's let's say the, maybe the best analogy I can come up with is, again, it's a field trip to the White House. You have somebody who is very, very anti-Trump, and so the seventh grader shows up with that T-shirt that says, you know, blank, you know, President Trump or or whatever, you know, um, w- would you would we make the same argument that you have an absolute First Amendment right? And I think the answer would be we would no. you are going as a guest. You're a representative of the school to an extent. And I think the school has the right to say, OK, there, there's certain there's a certain decorum. We're not telling you you can't wear this CNN T-shirt in your real life, uh, I don't even think they're telling them that you couldn't wear the CNN shirt to class. It's just in this particular situation, since we're going on the field trip, we're saying that we think it is inappropriate. And I, I actually agree. Let's talk to Kyle in Pleasant Prairie. Kyle, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. How are you doing? I'm doing well. What do you think? 
Um, well, I have to say I'm trying not to be uh, biased because, you know, I have no particular love for CNN. Amen. <laughs> yeah, I get it, right. No, and I understood in launching off on this topic, that's the, I mean, perhaps the easier analysis is just, oh, we all hate CNN, so here, the kid wants to embarrass him, let him go ahead. But I think there's kind of a larger issue to that than this. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's also a reflection of the, the parents' views as well. Um, I mean, I know seventh grade kids are very smart and very, you know, articulate, but um, I also know that, you know, maybe if the parents had a problem with him going on this field trip, maybe there could have been further action taken in that category as well. I mean, mm-hmm. maybe they would have more leaned towards not allowing him to go rather than, you know, no, I think, it, but I think the truth disagree. is the parents were the parents bought him this shirt. <laughs> I think the parents were one hundred percent behind this. I guess you know. Oh right, yeah, definitely. Yeah, so I guess I mean thanks to Colca. I mean, see, and that's I, I guess see that's again. I, I think there is a time and a place for everything, and if you are, again, in this context, if, if this was if the parents decided, for example, we're going to. They're doing tours at CNN, and we're going to, you know, go go down, and we're going to take a tour on Saturday morning or whatever. And you, you, and the parents were cool with this, and you were going as individuals. I would, I think, have you know one respect. This, you know, this plays out when you have these athletic teams that make the decision to visit the White House. And I, I guess I've always felt that if you, let's say, you don't like the, you don't, you don't like President Trump. So you're an athlete, and you don't like President Trump, so you make the decision that you're not going to go to the White House. Okay, that, that's fine. I think you have a right to do it. Um, at the same time, though, if you're going as part of the team, I would not support somebody showing up, all right, you're the, the, you just won the national, you, you've won the collegiate basketball championship, you make the decision you're going to go, but you're going to try to do everything you can to embarrass the president by showing up with like a T-shirt, for example, that says something completely and totally inappropriate. I think the school would be would be would be within its rights and saying, you know, no, you you can't you can't wear that. That is in fact you know inappropriate. I think that's to me that's where the distinction is that um, you know when you're representing a group, you you just should be at least a little bit respectful. And if you don't want to go, if you don't like CNN, and you don't want to go. Well, then opt out of the field trip. No problem with that. It is one fifty three. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. One fifty six. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Coming up in less than ten minutes. Does a poo have to go? If you are a fan of The Simpsons, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Here we have an email. Um, just weighing in on the shirt issue. First thing is, the shirt was insulting to the organization. It's not the same as wearing a bear shirt to Lambeau Field. Secondly, how does a seventh grader use discretion with something like that? The shirt is awesome, but I think that's what the parents, it was the parents trying to get their opinion across. I'm pretty sure the kid doesn't have an opinion one way or the other on the news stations, given the fact that he was 12 years old. Yeah, I mean, let's... You're going to visit CNN, and if the kid had showed up in a Fox News shirt, for example, and they told him he couldn't wear it, I'd probably have a different feeling about this. But this was clearly, it was something designed to mock CNN. And I'm all in favor of mocking CNN, don't get me wrong. But if you're going on a school field trip and they're good enough to offer you a tour, I think the school's within its rights in saying, now this is just an inappropriate sort of T-shirt. If you have noticed, we've gotten through the first two hours of the program, and it has been Largely a Roy Moore free day, um, other than some references at the very beginning. We were talking about Al Franken and, and the president's uh, latest tweets. Um, for a number of people over the course of the last two weeks who have been vehemently disagreeing with me, and, and my point was, I, I, look, 
I, I don't know whether Roy Moore 30 years ago actually, you know, sexually assaulted a, a woman or not. I, I don't know. But with all these women coming out and talking about, number one, how, you know, when he was in his 30s, he was, you know, dating and uh, you know, sniffing around or trying to date or stalking all these teenage girls. That, to me, just tells me that he's just not suited to be a, can- uh, to be a, a U.S. senator. On top of that, the point I have been making and why I think he should step down, but he's apparently not going to, is he's not going to win. This is a seat that should be Alabama, a normal by normal. I mean, somebody without this kind of baggage wins this race with 65 to 70 percent of the vote. Roy Moore. Um, thanks to Steve Bannon, who is the flamethrower who's been trying to start a Republican civil war, Roy Moore is the one Senate candidate who might, even before all this broke, he was the one Alabama Senate candidate who might have been in trouble. Um, I just, I made the point all along that I think, and this is what Ron Johnson was saying when I interviewed him a couple days ago, Alabama wants a Republican senator. They just don't want this guy to be their Republican senator. And that is now starting to show up in the polls. I mean, here's the reality. Fox News has a poll, and I understand that some people don't believe Fox News, but uh, don't believe polls. But Fox News's poll now has the Democrat, um, Doug Jones, ahead of Moore by eight points. There's another poll by the Republican Senate Committee that has about those same sort of numbers. So the truth is, if Roy Moore doesn't do the right thing and step down, even if you feel he's being railroaded, it doesn't matter because he is going to lose and he's going to cost the Republicans a seat in the Senate, which is why if he really cares about the conservative movement, um, he would say, look, I think this has been a witch hunt. I think this is terrible, but I am stepping down in the interest of the party. To not do so would be selfish and it might be consistent with what this guy really is. It's 159. This is Jeff Wagner. It's 210. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. So glad to have you with us. You know, I, I just during the during the break, we have all these different TV monitors in the studio, and one of them happens to be, for reasons I can't ex- exactly explain, but I've been too lazy to change it, set to CNN. Now, if you go back and you listen to the first segment of the program today, we were we were not talking about the Al Franken controversy per se, but late last night, President Trump decided to weigh in on the he, – he'd stayed pretty much away from the whole Roy Moore thing, um, but he decided to wade in and he sent a couple of accurate, accurate tweets – you know, talking about you know Al Franken and Al Franken and some of the the allegations against him. My point at the time was, people who live in glass houses should not throw stones. And I kept thinking, of what's he thinking of? Because this is the same President Bush, President Trump, who is vulnerable. I mean, this is the guy who, you know, he ended up surviving the Access Hollywood scandal with the tape of Billy Bush and some of, you know, his his remarks. Now, ultimately, didn't cost him. But at the same time, you know, for President Trump to be talking about sexual harassment, um, to, to jump into the middle of this just makes himself 
you know, vulnerable. And that's one of the reasons why, like, I think I'd, he'd stayed out of the whole Roy Moore thing. Well, all right, so I've got CNN here. This is, of course, the story. This, this is all everybody's talking about today, not the Al Franken thing. But, gee, you know, isn't President Trump a hypocrite for, you know, given his remarks and his incidents that, that he's the one that's mocking Al Franken? And, you know, right or wrong, it's like, what? why even go down this particular route? Sometimes just quit while you're ahead. One of our callers, and you can go back and listen to this on the podcast. We podcast um, – Every one of the shows, one of the callers made the point saying he should just have a gatekeeper. He should just have somebody there that, you know, every time he wants to send a tweet, that person just kind of says, are you sure you really want to do this? All right. Gru, who is producing the show today and always, are you a fan of The Simpsons? Eh, You're just iffy, huh? Simpsons, longest running animated comedy series. Actually, it's the longest running scripted primetime TV series in the United States. The Simpsons has been on for 29 years. I I stopped watching it a long time ago, not because not because I I didn't like it or not because it was clever. It just I just kind of got tired of it, I guess. That that's sort of it. My brother just to this day loves The Simpsons and does does all sorts of Simpsons lines. But if if you if you have ever seen The Simpsons and almost everybody has at some point in time or another, the Simpsons is a, a parody of every stereotype I- imaginable. I mean, that's what they do. You've got characters like, I mean, Homer Simpson, the, the dad, which is the overweight, couch-sitting, lazy, donut-swilling um, embodiment of, you know, white uh, America, at least uh, under some people's perceptions. You've got... Um, Millhouse, who is the, you know, really smart, nerdy kid. You've got Ned Flanders, who's sort of the stereotypical religious guy. You've got, um, you know, um, Nelson, who is the, the stereotypical bully. You've got the Waylon Smithers character, who's sort of the stereotypical... Well, I, I think, you know, it, it, I don't know if they've ever talked about the guy's sexuality, but you, you, you can tell it's sort of like he, he's sort of one of these stereotypical type of characters there. You've got, you know, Ralph Wiggum, the police chief's son, and Wiggum is the kid that, the stere- again, another one of these stereotypical nerds that are there. You've got uh, the chief. Chief Wiggum, who's the the donut swilling stereotype, you know, police officer. You've got the comic book guy who is the fat, nerdy, quote unquote, stereotypical loser. The guy who's into that. I mean, and it goes on and on and on. And I could go through the list, but it's a series of stereotypes that are are there. Um, you know, groundskeeper Willie. It's one after another, and that's. Fat Tony, who's the stereotypical Italian mobster. That's just, it's what that show is all about. And one of the actually very, very popular characters who is admittedly a walking stereotype is the character Apu. Apu is the Indian convenience store owner whose signature line is, thank you, come again. And I'm not going to do it in the dialect, because dialects, I was telling Gru this yesterday, dialects are what always get talk show hosts in trouble. But if you've seen the show, you know what I mean. It's the stereotypical um, Indian, um, that would be India Indian as opposed to Native American, who runs the convenience store. I mean, that that's it. And it, it is a stereotype in every way, shape, or form. But 
the guy's on a show that's a character on a show of stereotypes. Well, anyhow, I bring this up because there is going to be a documentary that's going to be airing on Sunday night um, on True TV, and it's, it's by a comedian. And the comedian, um, it's called The Problem with Apu. And the, 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 this is what they, they argue. They say, the character is funny. It has nothing to do with the character not being funny. Um, the problem is, the character, it's insulting to people of uh, from India. It's inaccurate. It represents a larger problem where people don't get to speak for themselves. And, I mean, the guy's point is, and, and he's Indian, India, Indian, um, his point is that this is this, is this harmful stereotype, and, and what we need to do is you need to change it. He says that, you know, everybody who's Indian or Indian-American at some point in time has been confronted with the phrase, thank you, come again, you know, because it's part of the vernacular there. Um, and the guy says, you know, this is um, this is being used as, as a weapon. You know, people from India or people of um, Indian-American descent are, um, you know, this is the representation. This is how people see us, and this is unfortunate, and, and we need... Apu needs to change, and that's the point of the documentary. Apparently, the documentary, it's, it's kind of like the first um, Michael Moore documentary, Roger and Me, where he spent a lot of the movie trying to get an interview with um, the head of General Motors uh, to talk about closing the auto plants in Flint. Apparently, much of this documentary shows this guy trying to pursue an interview with uh, Hank Azaria, who's the comic who does the voice of Apu and the Simpsons people aren't speaking to him. But he's arguing this is a hurtful stereotype and it's not that it's not funny but we need to do away with this. Alright, 414-799-1620 that is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. There is no question that this guy is right that this character is is a stereotype. There's no question at all about that. Of course, this character is a stereotype on a parody show that has all the different stereotypes that are there. Almost every character in one way or another is is a stereotype, and that's where some of the humor is drawn from. Homer is a stereotype. Ned Flanders is a stereotype. Milhouse is a stereotype. The list goes on and on. That's why um, I think, in some respects, the show has had sort of the universal appeal that it has. It skewers everyone. I mean, there's no question. It's depending on what day you watch the show. It's an equal opportunity um, parody show, with the possible exception of maybe Lisa comes out okay and Marge, the wife, comes out okay. But pretty much everybody else is played as comic foils. All right, is this guy correct to be offended? Um, in 2017, is it time to either retire the character Apu or change the character Apu to get away from the stereotype? Or is this just a guy that needs a better sense of humor? 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I will tell you where I come down on this, and we will discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. Okay, Simpsons fans of the world, this documentary airs on Sunday night. Is it time to change or retire Apu? Stick around. It's 219. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 
It's 2.22. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, riding season-high four-game winning streak. The Bucks will head to the Lone Star State for a Saturday night matchup with the Mavericks. Ted Davis will be courtside with our Buckshots pregame coverage, 7.40 tomorrow night. Yeah, the Mavericks are a hot mess this year, and um, owner Mark Cuban couldn't happen to a nicer guy to sing. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage talk and text line. Uh, there's this documentary that's going to be airing over the weekend there is an Indian-American comic who is outraged at the character Apu on The Simpsons. Now, I, I, I guess on one hand, you know, who cares about a cartoon character on a show, admittedly a very successful show that's been running for a long time. But this, to, to, to me, does raise this larger issue that's out there about how um, if you've got a character that is a stereotype, um, you know, can we no longer – can those characters still exist – in America in 2017, and my answer would be, I I hope so. I, I mean, I I hope so. Here here's the thing: this is a show that involves a ser- It is a parody show. All right, all the characters are in fact caricatures. They are all stereotypes. Okay, so does every you know? And, and in some respects, that's why they're kind of funny. But you appreciate it's a stereotype. Um, you appreciate, okay, not every police officer is overweight with a giant belly who goes around going, mmm, donuts. Okay, no, nobody is, is like that. We recognize that. But yet, nevertheless, because it plays into that stereotype, it allows us to, you know, skewer some things that are out there. Let's go to our text line. Let's see. Keep up who is is. People need to get a sense of humor and quit being buzzkills. If a car, there's another one. If a cartoon you don't like is on, don't watch it. Just like like if you don't like CNN, turn it off and watch Fox News. Here's another one. Guy needs to go buy himself a sense of humor. Uh, show's been around well, show's around for 25 years, enough with the political correctness already. Pretty soon nobody la- will laugh and everybody will walk around staring mundanely. Well, there is a point to that. Um, I under- Let's see. If a Simpsons character has got to go because someone gets their feelings hurt, then every night, late night show that relentlessly criticizes President Trump and those who voted for him should be held to the same standard. I mean, I guess, look, here, here is the thing. These are, these are characters. And, and, the re- and first of all, I think people can understand it's a cartoon. That, that's where we start off with. It, it's a cartoon. And... The fact is there is always, with every one of the stereotypes, whether it's the police chief or whether it's the comic book guy or, you know, whether it's Fat Tony, the mob boss, okay, there, there's stuff. Th- these are the creations. I don't know, maybe there's a little touch of reality to them, whether it's a creation of, again, the mass media or whatever, but, but they are characters that everybody can relate to in one shape or form or another. And I, I don't hear the people that run comic book stores getting upset or offended. I don't hear, I don't know, people who are religious getting upset about the Ned Flanders interpretation. Let's talk to Christine in Cedarburg. Christine, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi, good afternoon. What do you think? Um, well, I just think we all really, if we're really honest, know one of these characters, whether it be our neighbor, you know, a store clerk or, a, um, you know, a friend or someone at right. the bar. And, and this program has been on for so long. And if it, it's like, you know, if you stop watching it, you stop watching it, or you don't, you just don't watch it if it's that offensive. Yeah, it, it, exactly, and and I guess the, I mean, this is this is humor, and it's again, it's designed as a parody. There's stuff that appears 
on Saturday Night Live, for example, that I, I find to be, you know, offensive and sometimes not funny. So how do I respond? I generally don't watch Saturday Night Live, but that's the choice I'm making. And I guess if enough people become offended or whatever, they'll stop watching The Simpsons. But the point is, at least right now, it's been on for 29 years. It still gets really good ratings. I think people love the characters, even stereotypes and all. Right. It makes you laugh. And and so even her sisters are with the, oh, right. you know, the Spokers, the twins, I mean, you know, it, it really is poking fun at everyone. Yeah. It, well, that's exactly it. It's not like this is a show based around everybody making fun of the Apu character, for example. You know, it, it's not it. It's They make fun of everybody. everybody. I mean, yeah, no, thanks. I mean, I guess if, if you're going to go after the Simpsons, I mean, how about South Park? I And I, a little South Park goes a long way with me. Some of the, some of the episodes of South Park I just think are uproariously funny and others uh, not, not necessarily – um, but but regardless, it, it's a comedy. Um, yeah, actually, that's I have a text that just says that same thing. If somebody's offended by Apu, they better not watch South Park. Yeah, I mean South Park. Uh, if you if you want to be upset, you know, focus on that. I look. I, I my guess is that the Simpsons are going to kind of say pound sand to this. I just went. I was just going through different channels. I saw Married with Children. You know, remember the old show Married with Children? You want to talk about a parody show? You want to talk about something that was really vicious when it went after like middle aged um, middle aged white males? I mean that. That's that's what uh, that '70s show was about, or some of the other characters in there. I mean, my goodness, that was a parody show as well. And the bottom line is, if you don't like it, if you don't think it's funny, or if you're offended, just don't watch it. It's that simple. It's two twenty-eight. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It is two thirty-six. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. All right, we do this this time every Friday. I call the segment Pop Culture Corner. Sometimes we talk about books, sometimes movies, sometimes TV shows, sometimes sports, sometimes cars, just whatever I think is going on in the news or my life or whatever that kind of tickles my fancy and I hope will tickle yours. We also, as I said, live stream this on Facebook Live, and we're up. You can just go to Facebook.com slash 620 WTMJ. We have turned on the, the giant lights, and you can see what I look like and maybe see Gru in the background, and our IT guy, Dan, is here as well doing this. Okay, so here's what I was thinking about today. And um, my my niece, I told you about it, my, nice, my niece, my, my goddaughter, Sydney, she's um, a freshman at San Diego State. My brother and I went and visited her and saw Jimmy Buffett a couple weeks ago in concert. But this is, she's coming back for Thanksgiving. So this is going to be the first time she's been back since she went to school in, in August. Like I say, we saw her a couple of weeks ago. Um, but, but she's coming back. And I've been thinking, I remember, as somebody who went away to college, um, I, I can remember... Um, I mean, coming back over Thanksgiving, and one of the things you do, you obviously want to see mom and dad and all that, but one of the things you want to do is you want to see your friends. And I can remember it used to be a big deal. You know, you'd get in on that Tuesday, or generally speaking, you get in that Wednesday before Thanksgiving, and you'd be on the phone, and your buddies are all coming back into town, and, you know, you'd, you'd go out to one of the local haunts or one of the watering holes either on you know Wednesday night a lot of times Wednesday night by the way is a big big night for bars and restaurants because that's exactly what a lot of people are doing they're back in town you know and people are going out and catching up and doing those things Friday is is the same way and i can just think of you know some of the bars and restaurants that we used to go to almost all of which not all but almost all of which are are gone and it it's just that's one of the reflections of of time but I thought, 
kind of is a tribute to people who are, well, I don't know, you're using the holidays to hook up and meet old friends and things like that. I thought we would take a walk down memory lane. So for Pop Culture Corner today, I call the segment Gone But Not Forgotten. All right. Bars, restaurants that you used to hang out at, maybe, you know, with your family or friends or whatever, bar or restaurant that you used to hang out at, that you spent a lot of time at, that you killed a lot of brain cells at or ate a lot of calories at, that place that you just absolutely love, that bar or restaurant that is gone but not forgotten. 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line, as well as our Facebook.com slash 620 WTMJ. Gone but not forgotten. And with some people heading out of town to go deer hunting, that might be a particularly appropriate one as as well. But as people are coming back, um, those watering holes, the restaurants, the places you used to hang out at, that um, you just you just miss. Gosh, I wish that restaurant was still here. Boy, that bar, I just absolutely love it. I wish it was here. Tell you what I'm going to do. Let me take a very quick break. Our phone lines are jamming up quickly. Um, go with your first instinct. We'll go to as many calls as we possibly can. I will also read your texts and your comments on Facebook Live. If you want to see what we look like, what I'm wearing today, not that it's that much of a thrill, but, you know, you can see. Check it out. Facebook.com slash 620 WTMJ. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 240. This is Jeff Wagner. 243, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Okay, uh, this is on our, uh, Facebook, our text line here. Jeff, my family, friends, and fellow firefighters used to gather at the Genesee Depot Cafe every Friday and a couple times during the week as well until they're closing two years ago. Great memories and great food. Um, let's see, Laura in Oostburg. I miss the big wheel rollerblading rink that was in Sheboygan. So many memories all in their 90s glory. Wish they would bring it back. Um, let's see, on our, on our text line, uh, let's see, the, the Pepper Mill, Disco, in Menominee Falls. That takes you back. 414-799-1620. In honor of everybody who's coming back and going to hang out over Thanksgiving. Okay, that place that is gone but not forgotten. Dean in West Milwaukee. Dean, you're first. Good afternoon. Hey, buddy. How's your day? It's very good, especially since oh. it's about over in about 25 minutes. But, but thank you <laughs> for asking. Well, I'm sure there's lots of people behind me, but there was two <laughs> places, actually. One of them was Shad's uh-huh. over on 68th and Layton. I remember that, sure. Oh, it turned into a Tam's Chop Suey, which is now gone, which turns into something else now, <laughs> which I won't talk about because it's free advertising. And the other place was Attic West. Oh. Remember Disco? Oh, uh, Attic, absolutely. Attic West, it's now, um, it, 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 I, I hear it's now a strip joint, right? That's what it is now, right? Yeah. No, I, I'm too old for that. I, right, well, right. Th- thanks. And I, like I said, if you notice, I said I heard about this. Um, yeah, but yeah. Oh, Attic West. I mean, back in... Back in the day, the 70s, the, the Attic West, that was the place that uh, you got. I actually went to law school with um, one of the gals I went to law school with. She was married to the owner at the time. So I always remember that. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Rick in Michigan. Rick, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, how are you today? I am well, thank you. I'm thinking about all these great places that are gone but not forgotten. <laughs> Yeah, the favorite place that we used to always go to was Timers. Timers, sure. Like First and National. Yeah, like First and National or something, right, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, A line around the block to get in the place. Yeah, isn't it funny? That's one of those places places you thought would be there forever, and it's been gone for a while now. Yeah, and then the... 
the restaurant that's actually in a new location, but the old Giovanni's on Brady and Van Buren. Yep, yeah, I used to go there for Italian food all the time. Oh, the name of the and of course you you had the guy that got the the guy that got murdered. <laughs> the, right. Uh, yeah, right. Thanks. Right. Exactly. I I I remember that from back in the days as well. Let's talk to Dennis in Hartford. Dennis, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Yes. Marty Zipko is in Hartford. Oh, man, you're dating um, yourself, too, there, aren't you, a little, pal? Yeah. A little bit. They still have the phone booth there yet. Oh, yeah. it's That was, uh, you know, the, of course, when I was growing up, Hartford was, I mean, it, it, it might have been, you know, it might as well have been Minnesota if you were growing up in the North Shore. But I can remember driving out there on several occasions. It was a great time. It was a lot of fun. Yes, um, that old house and uh, Wyler's. Oh, all those different. All those different places. Nope, you're right. Now, thanks to call. I let's see on our on our um, let's see on the Facebook Live thing. Manning's on 76th and Appleton. Um, it was 76th and Good Hope, I think, wasn't it? But uh, I remember Manning's, uh, the National Liquor Bar. Well, that's that that takes you back in time. You know, open it up. I think it it did in fact close, but I think it opened up like at six o'clock in the morning. So you know, if if you wanted a shot and a red, white, and blue beer. The National Liquor Bar was the place to go. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to, uh, let's see, let's go to Jerry in Waukesha. Jerry, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, good afternoon. Uh, Billy's Old Mill was over on 75th and Cold Spring, out in Greenfield. It had the big stage, it had a semi, the nose of a semi coming through the wall, and it had, <laughs> had, had the pool hall, had the big, huge bar. You know, it was an awesome place to hang out. I, you know, I, I remember, thanks for calling, again, a little bit outside of my neighborhood, but I remember that as well. Let's see, Donna says, um, who's on first, on first in Greenfield, and the red carpet disco by the airport. Um, one of my very close friends' dads kind of ran that place. So many memories and still friends with many of the people I hung out with back in the uh Back in the disco days, um, let's see, River Lane Inn, um, which was my favorite place, uh, my, my favorite place for dinner. Um, I closed a couple of years ago. 414-799-1620. George in Milwaukee. George, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hello there. Okay. Gone but not forgotten. Gone but not. I used to go to uh, Mother's Nightclub on the east side. <laughs> yes. I won, I won my first dance contest over there. <laughs> did, did did you have the moves down? Is that what that kind of was there? Oh, I used to when I graduated high school. Right after that, they changed the law to eighteen. Uh right. And, and I was a varsity gymnast in in high school, <laughs> and I was able to do back handsprings, standing back summies into splits. All that stuff, and I won all kinds of dance contests. <laughs> I um, I, I'm I'm getting sore just thinking about that, my friend. Uh, those backhands. I I can picture you in the leisure suit, you know, doing the Saturday Night Live thing. Um, let's see on our on our uh, text line. Someplace else used to be on Water Street. Yeah, there. There, I I used to love someplace else. And the Mad Hatter, also downtown. Yeah, that went through a number of iterations. But back in the disco days, that was one of the places that you could go to. And for like five bucks, they'd give you like three really watered-down drinks and stuff. But we didn't know the difference back then. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Bill in Greendale. Bill, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, Jeff. Hi, Bill. I used to, uh, I used to frequent Lacage when... When Steve Scafidi was the bartender over there, <laughs> going back in the day, huh? Yep. 
You oh. got it. Where we, I, Lots of fun. Where was Lacage? I don't. Lacage was um, on second and national. Oh, okay. Second and third, and yeah, huh. and it it was a real blast over there when uh, Steve Scafidi used to bartend with his shirt off in that place. Okay, <laughs> all right. I'm I'm sorry that you. That I'm going to have that image all weekend now. <laughs> That's all right. Thank, Talk thank, to him about it on Monday. I, I will. Yeah. Thanks. So you used to take your shirt off, huh? Now I, I just I want I want to get that image out of my I want to get that image out of my head. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Gone but not forgotten. Doug in Milwaukee. Doug, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, Jeff. The okay. Avalanche. Oh, anybody who went to Marquette at a certain point in time, had to have spent some time in the Avalanche Bar. I remember, oh, I remember there... Bottles of red, white, and blue. Yeah. It, was one of, it was one of the great places where you had law students or college kids who were looking to drink cheap. You know, bottles of red, white, and blue and a shot or whatever for like a buck and a quarter, all in, all done. And a lot of the... Guys that hang out, hung out in the area. You could go up to the Avalanche, and you'd have college kids, and you'd have lawyers, and you'd have Marquette professors, and then you'd have again the guys that hung out in the neighborhood. I the Avalanche was the classic dive bar, but it was a great bar. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I, I, and the other one. I mean, I miss Haggerty's. You know, Haggerty's used to be on Thirteenth and Wells or so. Um, you know, that was that was just a place where I admit to having spent. Many a misbegotten afternoon when I was in law school at uh, Marquette University. Boy, so many, um, so many of these different things. Let's see. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Let's talk to Luann in Milwaukee. Luann, you're at six twenty WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. How are you, Jeff? I am well, thank you. Okay, where do you miss? Um, Pinnacle Peak. Oh, that was that was the restaurant where they. Is that the place where they would cut off your tie? They cut up your tie. It was a country bar. <laughs> okay. And uh, country dancing, good music. And I used to work at a bank on 76 and Blue Mound. And after the bank on Friday nights, um, we would go to Pinnacle Peak and okay. eat and dance. So that was back in the day. That was back in the 80s. That was a long time ago. Well, okay. But it's, you know, but, but it's still, you still remember it like it was yesterday, right? Exactly. Yeah, see, that's the, you know, I mean, that, that's the fun place about that. I mean, I just think about all the different, you know, restaurants and bars that we used to go to, and you always thought that they were going to be there absolutely forever. Okay, here's uh, another one of our texts. Two, two places, the Palms on 27th and State, and then Why Not, just west of Oakland, about four blocks north of North. Yeah, what, was it the Why Not 2 that was featured on that bar rescue, and I think that ended up closing? Kip's Supper Club, yeah, on uh, Mill Road, my... Uh, my parents used to go to that. My parents used to go to that one a lot as well. I can remember Kips. Let's talk to. Um, let's see. We've got Marky on the east side. You're on six twenty WTMJ. Good afternoon. Yeah, um, Zum Zeppels. It was off Brady Street. Little dive bar. <laughs> and and uh, uh, the where we used to go eat was you probably know it because you went to Nicolet Barnaby's. Oh my gosh! Yes, yeah, oh. I went to Dominican, so we used to hang out there, and that was that was the old hangout. I, you know, it's I. I've told the story before, so bear with me if you heard it. That I, I used to love. There was a Barnaby's on Port Washington Road. Barnaby's pretty much went out of business. There's like two Barnaby's left in the country. One is by the racetrack in Arlington Heights. So um, I, I'm. 
one one it was a Father's Day. My brother and I we take these kids. This is how we celebrate. We go down to father. We go to the track and we insist on stopping at this Barnaby's. It is right out of 1972. I mean, it hasn't changed. And um, my it's one of these things where okay, I have gotten bigger. My brother's gotten bigger. Those those benches don't fit as well. Um, the pizza, I'm sure it tastes exactly like it tasted in 1972. Let's need to say my tastes have changed. Okay, this was a lot of fun. I'm sorry, Jam Phone Lines, Dutchland Dairy, The Palms, Georgie's on 74th and Hampton, um, let's see, Chicken Shack, Weiler's Ballroom, Interns West in West Dallas. Yes, I remember that as well. Um, lots of other places. You can go back and you can continue the conversation both on our text line and on our Facebook live streaming. So check that out. It's 2.54. Wish I had a little more time to talk about this, but have fun if you're visiting with some of your friends who are back in town. John McCure is in next. We'll find out what he's got on his mind on Wisconsin's Afternoon News. Stick around.